morning, everyone. I've got some coffee breath going on this morning, so good call. Good call. Not sitting in the first couple rows there. It's probably safe. We're going to continue our, uh, our work as worship series this morning, and what we're going to talk about today is gender reveal parties and why you shouldn't have one. So, so get your pens out. Um, I'm just kidding. If you've had a gender reveal party, I'm not, not uh, knocking you, but uh, point in case, this picture right here uh, is a result of a gender reveal party that was thrown in uh, the state of California, I think. I might get some of the details wrong, but a couple, uh, the parents-to-be um, decided they were going to light a colored smoke bomb um, to, to reveal the gender of their, their coming child, and uh, that started a large grass fire, and a grass fire turned into a forest fire and burned thousands and thousands of acres. And I don't even want to make light of it. A firefighter died um, fighting this fire, um, so it was a horrible thing. And this is not actually even the first time that, uh, you know, gender reveal party has ended in disaster, and it's not even the first time it's ended in a wildfire, um, sadly enough. But, you know, today what I want to think about is that the words that we speak, the things that we say to people, can ignite fires that burn people to the ground. Our words have the power to destroy. They can destroy relationships. Our words can destroy our own souls. It's like a bullet out of a gun. Once a word is out there, it's hard to take back. In fact, it's impossible to take back. You can apologize, but it's already out there. It's, it's not coming back. The damage has been done. You know, whoever said, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, they, they were full of stuff. Okay, that was, that's, that's baloney. Words can hurt very much. We've all been hurt by words, and we've probably all said words that hurt other people. And so, since we spend so much of our time in the workplace and in schools, I want to think today about considering the way that we speak to people and the way we speak about people in those places. You know, we talk to our coworkers and, and with our coworkers more than probably anybody else. We just spend a lot of time there. So the particular kind of speech we're going to look at today, among others, but really I want to focus in on gossip. Anybody here work in a workplace that's, that's got some gossip going on, or have you ever? Worked in a workplace? I see a few hands raising, a few brave people. You, you know how hard that can be. You know how damaging that can be. And you know, it's a universal issue as I was studying the scriptures on this this week. It's, it's interesting. It, it's all very plain. There's not like, sometimes you study scripture and there's this like, this contextual chasm you have to cross and, and build a bridge between the modern listener and this ancient culture. But this is stuff that's been going on since the very beginning of time. This is a human problem, and it's a timeless issue. But even though it's timeless, it's still a little bit hard to define exactly what gossip is. It's hard to nail down an exact definition. Um, I found a Time Magazine article from around this time last year that was titled, The Science Behind Why People Gossip and When It Can Be a Good Thing. And so that, that kind of piqued my interest because as I was reading about it in Scripture, like, I found 50 Scriptures at least that are specifically about gossip, and never in a good light. There's probably at least 50 more scriptures that you could easily, you know, make the implication that these are about gossip. It's always described as a bad thing. In fact, it's mentioned along things like slander, God-haters, murder, envy, strife, deceit, and malice. And so, you know, that wasn't a bad article. The Time, the Time Magazine article was actually decent. Um, but they just, they define gossip a little bit differently than we might find it. The author of that article gave it a really broad definition. It said, gossip is talking about someone who isn't present. 
And that's not, a, that's not really even a terrible definition. You can see, um, when we put it that broadly, you can see where that would be a good thing or maybe even a necessary thing. Like, you know, I might be telling somebody about how great Jim's chili is or like, hey, did you see Marty on that wood processor the other week? He was like a machine, right? Like Marty's not there for me to talk about, but it's not a bad thing for me to, to share that. I might be sharing a recommendation for someone for an employment. So that's, that's a necessary thing or maybe even a good thing. And so when we look at Scripture then and we see something different, we see that gossip is always listed as this evil, negative thing. We need to come up with a narrower definition. I agree with uh, John Piper here. He's got a really good definition of gossip. He says, Gossip is derogatory information you have about someone that is shared with others, that is not motivated by doing good to them, and that you are enjoying in a way that shows that your heart is not humble. I'll read that again. Gossip is derogatory information you have about someone that is shared with others that is not motivated by doing good to them and shows that your heart is not humble. So you're enjoying it in a way that shows your heart is not humble. So gossip defined this way is marked by three distinct elements. Okay, we'll cover all of these and then we'll kind of get to a solution. But those elements are a spirit of negativity. So gossip is always marked by a spirit of negativity. It's marked by an excessive interest in the affairs of others, and it's marked by pride. If you've got a Bible today, uh, or if you've got your phone, go ahead and scroll or open to James chapter 3. That's where we're going to start, and that's where we're going to finish, and we'll kind of bounce around to some different places in between. Uh, But James chapter 3 gives us a really vivid picture of how our speech impacts the world around us. And so starting in verse 2, James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. I mean, think about that for a minute. Like right out of the gate here, James is saying, if we could just learn to control this thing, if we could just learn to control our mouths, we could control ourselves in every other way. He goes on to say, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Now, here's the connection to uh, you know, the picture I've had up in a minute, a minute ago, the, the gender reveal party turned, turned into a wildfire. Right? Verse 5, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Friends, have your words ever got you into trouble? Have you ever wrote a check that you couldn't cash? You know what I'm saying? 
You ever, you ever kind of stepped into a mess, you, you talked about someone, you said something, and then they found out about it later and you had to go back and backtrack? Our words can make a real mess of our lives. They can make a real mess of our workplaces. They can turn our workplaces into a place that's toxic and miserable to be at. The words that we use have power. They can build or they can burn. And a lot of times we're using our mouths, we're using our words to say things that are completely contrary to the God who created each one of us. You know, it's interesting, there's this kind of continuous theme of fire when we talk about our speech in Scripture. And there's this connection between what James writes and what Solomon writes about gossip in Proverbs. In 26, 20 through 21, it says, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fires as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. So we see this idea of burning fire again, and gossip, it, it spreads like fire. You've all, you've all seen this, gossip that just spreads like a fire, just out of control. I'm going to geek out on you for a minute here and explain the fire tetrahedron. Okay, this, is, this is the things that fire needs to, to, to burn, right? It needs fuel oxygen, heat, and a chemical chain reaction. Those are the things that, that fire needs. If you remove one of those, it goes out. If, re, if you remove gossip, the fire goes out. Well, if we want to remove gossip, we've got to get to the source. We've got to remove the source. That's where the fuel is at. It's in the source. Proverbs 26 goes on to say, Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they are deceiving you. They pretend to be kind, but don't believe them. Their hearts are full of many evils. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, their wrongdoing will be exposed in public. If you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush your head. That's from a Roadrunner episode. A lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering words cause ruin. You see, the fuel for all of this, the fuel for gossip, the fuel for malicious speech, the fuel for slander, it exists in the heart. That's where it comes from, is it comes from inside of us. It comes from this spirit of negativity that lives inside of us, and this pride that lives inside of us. It exists in the heart, and when the heart is overflowing with negativity and pride, all the tongue has to do is provide a spark. It's just the fuel is pouring out, the tongue just provides a spark, and boom, the whole world's on fire around you. You know, there are people who walk around their workplaces, there are people who walk around your place, maybe it's you, I hope not. There are people who walk around their workplaces whose mouths are like a drip torch and their hearts are like gas cans. And they walk around the workplace setting fires to watch things burn. You've seen these people. You may be one. Friends, it may seem fun to join in at sometimes. It may seem even lighthearted or casual. It may seem like no one's getting hurt. That's why gossip is usually shared with a tone of secrecy. Right? The words that precede gossip are usually, hey, just between me and you. Right? Hey, don't tell anyone I told you this, but they're lighting fires and it's pure evil. And for whatever reason, 
This one seems to infiltrate, infiltrate the church. This is, this is a big one in the church. Right? We deal with a lot of other sins, but this one we kind of like, uh, we just kind of like let that one go. Right? We ignore that one. You know, pornography is a real struggle for, for many people. A lot of, mostly men, but many people, it's a real struggle for. Just statistically, we live in a world that's just saturated with temptation. You know, gossip, gossip is the same way. We live in this world that's just saturated with temptation. Well, I'll tell you something. Pornography and gossip, they're pretty much the same thing. They're pretty much the same thing. It's a cheap thrill at the expense of someone else. It's stripping someone else of their humanity and turning them into an object that you can control or manipulate or use for your own pleasure. It gives you a sense of power and control over another person that's not your right to have. It's the same thing. You see, you see the similarities there? Yet we ignore one and spend a lot of time focusing and, and, and trying to lead people through the other. How many times, I mean, in the church, it's, it's almost comical sometimes. Like, have you ever seen a prayer meeting that turns into just a gossip fest? It's crazy. We're there to, we're there to go before the Lord with prayer requests. And I was talking to somebody this week. She said that she was leading a, a public prayer meeting, and someone in that prayer meeting decided to share about someone else who had an STD and asked people to pray about them. Like, that's interesting. That, that's not motivated by someone's good. That's not motivated to do good to someone else. That's gossip. That's why James says this isn't right. This shouldn't be among believers. Friends, this is a sneaky sin that does a whole lot of damage if we don't address it. If we don't ignore that there are people walking around who call themselves followers of Christ but just spew negativity about everything and everyone, whether it's their business or not, right? whether it's gossip or it's just saying mean-spirited things, we're, we're missing a really big shortcoming here in the church. You know, it's common to, to brush someone off who gossips or says mean-spirited things and just say, oh, he doesn't have a filter. Oh, she doesn't have a filter. You've heard that before, right? Some people say it about themselves almost like a point of pride, like, I have no filter. Well, let's look at Proverbs 26 in verse 18 and 19. It says, like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows... So is the person who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. The message, Eugene Peterson puts this in a neat way. He says, people who shrug off deliberate deception saying, I didn't mean it, I was only joking, are worse than careless campers who walk away from smoldering campfires. It's a vivid picture. You know what it means when you say, I don't have a filter? Or my filter is broke? It means that you have a spirit of negativity and that you're irresponsible. It's not something to be proud of. It's not something to be proud of to be an irresponsible person. Eugene Peterson paraphrases the Bible and says, you're like, a, you're like a careless camper walking away from a campfire. You're like, you're like somebody lighting a smoke bomb in dry grass. And you're going to try to put out the fire by saying, oh, I was just kidding. I don't have a filter. See, it also, it also wrongly assumes that everyone has this spirit of negativity. Some people just have a mechanism that prevents it from coming out. Right? Believe it or not, the, the goal in sanctification, the goal in becoming more like Christ, 
isn't that we would remain filled with evil but have a mechanism for stopping it. The goal is that we would be so substantially transformed that we no longer even harbor evil thoughts about people, that we're no longer filled with a spirit of negativity, that through the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us, we're the kind of person that doesn't even have to hold back from saying negative things or hurtful things about people because that's not even what's in us. But, but even when we do get those thoughts, right, because we all get negative thoughts at times, even when we do get thoughts, a, negative, a, a responsible person takes that captive and makes it obedient to the will of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us to do with those things. Take it captive. Make it obedient to his will. Responsible people take out the trash. Robin reminds me of this one all the time. Right? Responsible people take out the trash. Right? We take those negative thoughts, we bag them up, we throw them in the bin, we take them out to the curb, and we watch Will Albert come in his dump truck and, and fill it up and haul them away. Those things are gone. We get rid of them. Right? It's, it's a lot easier to be responsible about taking out the trash if we don't produce so much garbage. Right? So don't just blame it on the filter. Work on the source. Work on the source. Work on where that comes from. Jesus said, listen to this, Jesus said, the words that you speak, the words that you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defiles you. If you want to see the fire go out, you've got to remove the fuel. Right? It's in here. You've got to get connected to a different source. Right? That's the spirit of negativity is a bad source. You've got to get a new source. So the second element of gossip was an excessive interest in the affairs of others. Now this one's interesting. We, we've, our culture is just crazy when it comes to this. My, my 11-year-old son at the dinner table the other day, I hope, he doesn't, I hope he's not embarrassed if I share this, he said, did you know that Patrick Mahomes prefers ketchup over barbecue sauce? I was like, why, why, would, why would you know that? And where did you hear that from? Like, guys, ESPN is gossip, okay? ESPN is gossip. If it's not the score or the highlights, it's probably gossip, right? But, but not everybody's off the hook. Who here likes to watch the royal family? You raise your hand. It's okay. You're in a, you're in a safe space. The first step is admitting you have a problem, okay? I'm, I'm just teasing you guys. There's a whole, there are people whose job it is to follow this family's every move 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and then report on it. I mean, somebody took the time to, like, report that Patrick Mahomes likes ketchup more than barbecue sauce, right? We live in a culture that's saturated with this excessive interest in the affairs of others. And that's on a, a big scale, but you've seen this in your workplace, right? You've seen this person who's like a little honeybee, and they, they bzzz over here, and they, ooh, that's tasty, and then they bzzz over here, and hey, did you hear about this? And oh, no, I didn't think of that, and then bzzz, they zoom over here, and they're just, they're just constantly going from flower to flower, picking up all these little morsels and sharing them with everybody. Why? It's, it's you know... Deep down inside, I think we kind of secretly enjoy being the one who knows something that other people don't know. You know, it kind, of, it kind of elevates our status a little bit to be the one in the know. It elevates our status to be the one who is entrusted with this, this tasty little bit of information about someone else. 
That's, that's how uh, conspiracy theorists work, right? There's a sense of pride and superiority that comes with secret knowledge. And when we share it with someone, we're saying, you know, I'm important because I know something that, that you didn't know. And you're important, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. And so we kind of we savor that. And we meddle in other people's business where, where we don't belong. Paul gives a lot of warnings about this in Scripture. In 1 Timothy 5, um, he's, in this case, he's writing to young widows, but this really applies to everyone. He says uh, in chapter 5, verse 13, They will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, and talking about things they shouldn't. In 2 Thessalonians 3, he warns believers against, quote, living idle lives, refusing to work, and meddling in other people's business. But Proverbs, again, I, I love Proverbs, you guys. I love Proverbs. I'm so glad people wrote this stuff down because it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just so descriptive. In, in Proverbs 26 and verse 17, it says, A person who is passing by and meddles in a quarrel that is not his is like one who grabs a dog by the ears. That's a, that's a vivid picture right there. Like somebody is walking by, you're just going to grab and yank a dog's ears, right? What that's saying what he's saying there is that getting involved in someone else's fight is stupid with two O's, right? That's, that's really not a smart thing to do. I mean, go yank on a dog's ears and see what happens to you. That's a bad idea. But again, this is another one, right? We brush this off and say, oh, he just loves to stir the pot. She just loves to stir the pot, right? I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Be very careful about dismissing things that the Bible warns us against. Be very careful about making light of things that the Bible warns us against. And if you want to know if this is you or not, you probably already do, but if you really want to know, if you ever hear your bosses or your coworkers saying something like, don't you have anything better to do? It's probably you, right? Like, Paul is saying here, you know, Refusing to work and meddling other people's business. There's this thing that happens when we get bored, when we don't have enough to do. We start to kind of insert ourselves where we don't belong. God's word is clear on this, right? He says, mind your business, right? Mind your business. So the third element of gossip and the one that kind of runs through all the rest of them is pride. And we've discussed pride just a little bit already. But remember, our definition of gossip is derogatory information. So that's that spirit of negativity and you have this information about someone else, right? So there's this interest in other people's affairs. And then it says it is not motivated by doing good to them and that you are enjoying it in a way that shows your heart is not humble. That's called pride. There's the pride of being a negative person. Like, I don't have a filter. I just say whatever's on my mind, right? That's pride. There's pride in, in knowing everyone else's business. Like, I'm the one who knows all the secrets, right? That's pride. And then there's the pride of thinking that we're better than someone else. The picture here is the Pharisee praying next to the tax collector. And he's saying, God, thank you that I am not like this sinner over here. That's what's happening when we share gossip. You know, when we say, when we whisper, we say, hey, hey, did you hear what I heard? Just between us, did you hear he's cheating on her? Hey, psst, hey, did you hear? I just found out. Did you know that she had an abortion when she was a teenager? Hey, psst. Hey, did you see how bad he screwed up that presentation the other day? I heard they're going to let him go by the end of the day. Don't, don't let anybody know. I'm just sharing that with you. That's pride, and it's evil, 
and God hates it. God hates pride. Jesus tells a story and he says, why are you worried about the speck in your brother's eye? You've got a log growing out of your own eye. We're saying, thank God I'm not like that other person. Thank God I'm not the one that's getting fired today. Thank God I'm not the one whose husband is cheating on me. Thomas Akempis gave us some really good advice about 600 years ago. I need this one all the time. He says, endeavor to be patient bearing the defects and weaknesses of others because there are many things about you that they too must bear. Oh, I need that one. Be patient in bearing the defects and weaknesses of others because there are many things about you too that they must bear. Friends, nobody's perfect. We've all got faults. We all do stupid things sometimes. When we start trashing other people behind their backs in an effort to elevate ourselves and make ourselves look good, we're in dangerous territory called pride and God hates it. If we're talking about people out of a spirit of negativity or if we're meddling in someone else's business, if we're speaking from a place of pride or or elevating ourselves above other people, we're gossiping and we're sinning. And when we're doing those things in our workplace, we're creating a toxic environment that makes it miserable for everyone who works there. Now, I know I'm I'm focusing a lot on, on our role in this today. I know that some of you work in workplaces that are just, it's just horrible. You just dread going to work in the morning because you know when you get there the attitudes you're going to see, the kind of things people are going to say, the gossip that takes place. And I really, really sympathize with you. That is, that is not a fun way to live. It is hard, and I understand that. But I want to focus today on our role. What are, what are we doing? What can we do? ourselves. And so before we talk about the answer, I want to give you some time to, to reflect and really think about what your role is in this. This is a time for you to get right with God if you need to. Maybe, maybe you don't, but maybe you do. Maybe you need to bring something before God. And so I'll ask you to um, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, stand up, anything like that. But just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I go back to James chapter 3. And think about your role. Think about the fire. What is your role in your workplace or at your school? Are you starting fires or putting them out? Is God glorified by the way that you speak about other people? God be pleased with the conversations you're having. Are you consciously or unconsciously creating the impression you're better than you really are? What does the way that you speak about people say to them about Jesus? 
be honest here, would you say that it attracts people to him or drives them away? If you need to ask him for forgiveness and the power and the help to change, now is a good time to do it. It's between you and God. He's here right now listening to you. Lay it at his feet. turn the corner here and talk about the solution. Okay? So it's a big problem, but God doesn't just hang us out to dry here. He gives us a solution. James chapter 3, verse 12. I love this simple verse. You can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You've got to get a new source of water. The source that's giving you salty water is no good, and it's never going to produce anything good. You have to get a new source. The one that you have is bad. You're supposed to be flowing with streams of living water. That's water that refreshes people, water that purifies, water that saves. Not salty water, fresh water. Right? Your spirit of negativity is supposed to be transformed by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Your obsession with other people's business is supposed to be transformed into an obsession to know Jesus and make him known. Your pride is supposed to be transformed into Christ-like humility. Like Pastor Brooks said a couple weeks ago, why are you so salty, church? Why, Why are you so salty? This is why James seems almost dumbfounded when he writes, brothers and sisters, this is not right. You're supposed to be connected to a different source, but then you open your mouth. Then then you speak, and there appears to be a disconnect between what you say you believe and who you say you believe in and the things that are coming out of your mouth. I'm hearing negativity. I'm hearing preoccupation with other people's business. I'm hearing pride and gossip. Brothers and sisters, this is not right. Well, how do we get right? How do we get right? Verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Verse 17. Wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Catch this. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace peace, and reap a harvest of righteousness. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's the solution. The solution is to get a new source. Get rid of the spirit of negativity and the pride and get a new source in Christ in the form of wisdom from above. And then act on it. Right? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to know what God's will is for you that is good and pleasing and perfect. 
You know what wisdom from above makes you? It makes you responsible. It makes you responsible. That is, able to respond in a way that is good and pleasing and perfect. Friends, that's what freedom in Christ looks like. You're free from all that stuff. You're free from that spirit of negativity. You're free from pride. You're free from this excessive interest in the affairs of others. Lisa Turkhurst said, we can stop attending to every drama to which we're invited. You're free to do that. We're actually free to say, like, I'm not even going to get involved in that. But it takes work. You can't just know about God. You have to put that wisdom into practice. Tony Evans said, God empowers our actions. He does not replace them. God empowers our actions. He doesn't replace them. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Put into practice the things that you're receiving from above, and God's going to empower your actions as you do those things. James chapter 1, 19 through 22, says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has implanted in your hearts. Remember, that's where the source comes from. It's in your heart. Well, humbly receive the word that God has has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. Put the things you receive into practice. Let the word of God make the 18-inch the journey, or the 14-inch in my case, uh, journey from your head to your heart. Right? That's how you get connected to the source of life. And then streams of living water begin to flow in you and through you and out of you, and you'll start putting out fires instead of starting them. Don't use your voice in the workplace to spread gossip and lies and negativity. Use your voice to become a peacemaker, planting and sowing seeds of peace. That will change the culture and the climate in your workplace faster than anything else. I'm going to give you homework today. You're like, ah, homework? I didn't know there was going to be homework today. This is simple. Read James chapter 3 three times today slowly. Okay, don't, don't read it through it fast. Read it slowly. Read it one sentence at a time. Read a sentence and then think about it. Read another sentence and then think about it. Read that. That's how you get the word from here to here. Is you spend some time with it, ponder it, think about it, chew on it, wrestle with it. Let it sink deep into your heart to replace those things that are, that, are, that are spewing out negativity. Get his word in here, and it'll change you. Let me pray. Holy Father, God, create in us clean hearts. Don't let us be satisfied just to know about you. We want to know you and be known by you, God. We want to walk with you. We want to have a relationship with you, God. We want your word to sink from our heads to our hearts so that we could be responsible people, able to do the things that you have called us to do that are good and pleasing and perfect. God, don't let us be conformed to the pattern of this world that says that it's our right to gossip, it's our right to to spread lies and negativity about people, but let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds, washed by the water of your word. God, I pray for 
if anyone repented here today, Lord, I pray that you would begin a new work in their lives right now. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit, with power from above, with wisdom from above that is pure and peace-loving and gentle and willing to yield and a new passion and a desire to walk lockstep with you in their workplaces, in their homes. God, our culture is saturated with this, this negativity and this interest in others and pride. God, rid us of these things. Strip these away from us, God, and let us be pure reflections of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. God, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for being a mighty and good God. Thank you for the good gifts that you give us. We praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, friends. You're dismissed.